You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. We are live on a special Friday edition of The Making of a Marketer. Andy Pondillo here today, Just Nickerson, and our special guest, uh, Jessica Hilberman, joining us as we're finally talking about my favorite subject. I've been waiting weeks to talk about, Jess, and uh, it couldn't be any better on this, you know, Friday, kickoff to the weekend. So I'm excited to jump into content calendars and planning today. Yes, and, and again, perfect timing as we enter Super Bowl weekend. Do you have any big Super Bowl content? Are you, are you a Super Bowl party person? I am actually into the commercials. So, so I mean, I, I was rooting for uh, San Francisco, but now I'm just going to watch it, hope it's a great game, and just tune in to the commercials that I see. You know what my favorite part of the Super Bowl is when I don't have a team in it is after it's over, it's officially baseball season. So we're done with football, it's spring training, we got six long months ahead of us. And, you know, as you know, me originally being from Houston, the defending Houston Astros, our defending champions, will be taking the field again. So I'm extremely pumped, uh, probably more than ever this year. So it's kind of like, let's just get this Super Bowl over with and, and move on to the fun stuff. And the other, like, very, like, non, like, important thing I have on my radar for today is because it's Friday, I had to break out my Yellowstone. If you're familiar, the Yellowstone Dutton Ranch, um, I had to break out my shirt today. So, you know, marketing for a TV show, excellent marketing. You know, I'm, I just got to get the hat now and I'll be matching and good to go. I was talking to my dad last night and he had just um, gotten a Stetson in the mail that he now is wearing to watch his television show. So, yeah, it, it adds to the experience, you know, it just gets you, you know, going a little bit. I've been watching 1923, the spinoff of Yellowstone. It's finished 1883. So, you know, I'm like full into it. I, I do love Yellowstone. I have not gotten into the spinoffs yet. 1883 is a tearjerker. So if you like want to feel really sad and I binge that and I don't know I think I binged the whole season in four days or something around that time frame so it's very highly emotional but very very good highly recommend it yeah right now Yellowstone is Yellowstone and Succession those are about as dramatic as I can get I I, I do like to live in the 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 happy rose covered glasses content place. <laughs> no, I feel you there. It's, it's like you gotta have a mix of it. You know, you can't have too much sad. Sometimes you can't have too much happy. 
Um, I do the reality stuff every now and then. I knew you noticed I was nearly on a season of Survivor, but I, we don't want to go down that rabbit hole too far. Um, one day we should, you know, we should do like a reality TV like marketing um, thing. Like I think it would be awesome, but but I won't derail too much. Again, we do have our guest today, Jessica Hilberman, uh, a content and digital expert that's going to help us out with our podcast today. So Jessica. Uh, I want to introduce you to the show, and thank you very much for being here on a Friday episode. Um, You know, what we have started out with our guests lately, and our first question is a lot of people right now, you know, we're looking at the the times right now, and it's easy to get stuck creatively. And I'll admit there's been times, you know, lately, Jess, where I've been building some stuff out, and I've been kind of like, huh, hitting the wall a little bit. I was like, how do I get out of the wall? If you ever start to hit the wall creatively, what is your go-to to get yourself going again? Yeah, that's a it's a good question. Um, because I, I think people, everybody always has something different. I'm really lucky to live um in San Francisco, which is a very beautiful city, and I live near uh, a spot called Bernal Hill. And so, you know, if I can grab the 20 or 30 minutes, my go-to is like walk to the top of the hill and just take in the panorama. And there's something about the the walking and the looking and the thinking. And then I stand up there and I'm like, have whatever I'm thinking about, you know, all of a sudden I'm sitting there staring at my phone in this beautiful spot, writing down little notes. Um, but, uh, but that is pretty reliable for at least getting me out of, you know, any kind of rut or circular thinking. Um, also, just like, taking the time to step away from anything, I think always gives you some perspective to come back to it and and say either, oh, I have some new thoughts on this and those are great. Or, uh, you know, sometimes that was terrible. Like, let's start again. You know, I like the idea of walking outside. That actually was something that I used to do years ago. Um, Actually, when I was working in the office, I'd go walk around the block you know, what I do now, now that I live up north in Pittsburgh, depending on the time of year, that's like a really good idea. Um, other times I've actually gone outside because I was fatigued and I needed 15 mm. degrees to rejolt my body again. And then I came back in and I was awake. You know, it's like people say you, you drink coffee in the morning to wake up. I say just walk outside when you live up north. Yeah, fair. I am lucky enough to be able to just go outside. And most of the time, the weather is is pretty hospitable. So. Most definitely. But, you know, we're happy again to have you on. So tell us a little bit about yourself, some of your experiences working in content marketing, um, things you've done lately. And, you know, one thing I really like, Jessica, uh, Jess, you were the one that, you know, brought Jessica aboard for this interview. And I like that you're really a social media OG. You know, I was looking at your background, (laughs) like you have that, that journalistic editorial background that a lot of us, the beginning of social media, that's how we got into it. So I found it very fascinating. And and I think it still is the profile of a lot of people, right? Or people who have started out there and and stuck around. Um, But uh, yes, which of those things should we talk about first? Let's talk about how you got to, to where you're at today, kind of like A to Z, how you got into the market, what, you know, what has that looked like, you know, kind of over the course of your career? Yeah, um, it's funny because I was I was thinking about that today and realizing like I, this is this is the year is probably my 15th anniversary of being in tech, which is wild to think about. Um 
because it seems so shiny and, and new and like it's still shiny and new. And what's you know amazing about an industry that moves so fast is that it's always changing and that always gives us opportunities to, you know, learn new skills and um, find out about new and different things and try things different ways. Um, but I went to journalism school and loved it and graduated into a collapsing print market as many of us did. Um, I thought I was going to be a magazine editor and, you know, in a lot of ways, the closest thing to magazines was the internet, um, because it's all about audiences and it's all about finding the right message for the people you're trying to reach, getting it in front of them and then keeping them coming back. Right. So if you think about subscribers, like people have always subscribed to things that, um, that really strike their fancy and, and the internet was doing that in the same way that um, that magazines did. And my, my first online job was at Yahoo. Um, I joined the search team shortly before they licensed search to Microsoft. And at that time that it was the team of people who like, before I got there had written the original Yahoo directory. Like, I don't know if people remember the Yahoo directory, but, um, you know, you found new websites by paging through this catalog of things that was written by humans. Um, sort of remarkable to think about. But uh, but it was cool, and I I kind of caught the bug. I learned all about you know taxonomy building and um, how people search for things, and we also did a lot of search quality work. So we got to look at um, anonymized, obviously, but like query logs and uh, user data, and really just start to understand like how are people using the internet? Like what are they asking for, and how do we know when they get good information? Um, and that was a it was a really cool primer into thinking about you know, what is, how, how can we do a better job of building something that is super useful for people at all times? And um, from there, I worked on the homepage team. And that was kind of during the the big kind of corporate rise of a lot of social media. So like that, we were there when um, Facebook introduced pages, right? So before that, you had to like make up a person that was your company and people followed it. Um, and there was this kind of amnesty where you can turn your person into a real page. Um, and uh, I managed the social presence for the homepage team. So you know, it was Twitter for a couple different channels. It was um, primarily Facebook. I think we did a little bit of Google Plus at the time. Um, but you know, those those were the big ones. And you know, it was a big deal if you had like a million followers. I mean, it seems like nothing now when we think about the scale of. Uh, stuff like today's social media, but at the time it was, it was, uh, you know, it was, we didn't have a lot to build on, I think, in terms of understanding, like, where are these products going to go? How are we going to reach new audiences? Um, and the focus was very much on how do we capture the traffic back and get it to come back to us? Um, and now I think, you know, brands have really evolved to like building their own brand in different channels and reflecting themselves in different ways. Um, which we started to do, but it like wasn't the primary goal. The primary goal was always this like business goal of like bring them back so they look at the ads on our website. So, you know, things change, things stay the same. Yeah, that's why I would have thought about it, uh, what you're saying to bring people back to look at the ads actually on the site. But I actually stopped to think about that a little bit. So I, 
my background is originally in radio. So I worked um, for a station that was actually partnered with Yahoo, Yahoo Sports Radio. Um, and I would work with a lot of folks from Yahoo Sports, and we would always try to get people back to their blog links or their Yahoo Sports links, probably to see the ads. So it all kind of comes together right there. I stop and think about it a little bit. Uh, Jess, uh, you over there, have you? did you dabble in any of these early um, institutions of social media? I think the one, you mentioned Google+, Plus, Jessica. I think the one for me... <laughs> What was it? There was one. It lasted like a hot second. I this just shows how long we're getting going back. I can't even think about it, right? I can't even think of what it was. I was like, it'll come back to me. But there there was one. I think it was Yahoo bought it. And it was super early, early days. Someone's I'm gonna figure it out. But just did you ever dabble in anything super early like that? Can we count AOL? That's pretty much AOL instant messenger. <laughs> Uh, I mean, if we want to call that social, I was in AOL chat. That was my go-to. Tumblr. It's, it's, there we go. That was oh, it. Tumblr. I mean, I, Tumblr. I, was, I dabbled in Tumblr. It was a kind of a big deal, and then it it died a sad death um, over at Yahoo. Uh, but um, I, I think it's still around in a, some new form, different, slightly different form, uh, newly independent again. Um, you know, as all of these brands sort of like get bought and spin off and do all that stuff they do. I mean, you can go, you know, still back, MySpace has been hanging around forever. So there's a lot that kind of lives in uh, <laughs> archives of the internet somewhere. But uh, no, yes. I started dabbling in the early days of Facebook. I, I love to talk about those. And that kind of kind of leads us to, to where we are today, Jessica. You know, we're talking about like content development. That's been such a big thing, even since the beginning of social media uh, and we've seen it evolve into so many different lenses so when we talk about content development uh, what have the, what are those roles what have they been to you and you know when we talk about the scope of it how is it still consistent today because I think a lot of the lessons we learned maybe back in 2010 still very much play mm -hmm. to what we see in 2023. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, um, you know, the platforms evolve and they change and there are always new ones. Um, and at the same time, uh, one of the easiest things to learn from is is mistakes, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and then I think there are a lot of things that uh, people get excited to do and start out doing. And then um, over time, like, the thinking on it evolves, right? So um, I know we, we were talking about getting into things like calendars and there was a good post I saw the other day actually on LinkedIn about, um, you know, thinking about your your content, your social calendar is something seasonal, which I really liked. Um, it's, it's a post that's kind of doing the rounds and it was about how your brand or your company doesn't have to be, um, doesn't have to mark every moment. Like you don't have to be in every cultural moment um, you don't have to respond to every news event. Um, sometimes it's not necessarily that appropriate. And so like in in order to make good content, you know, for, for any media brand or company, you kind of have to know who you are um, and what your brand position is on any of the channels that you're going out on, whether that's like social or 
um, you know, email or a blog. And I, I got an email this morning from an SEM company that I guess I've probably been on their mailing list for a really long time. And I just delete the email and it never, the, the problem with today's email is I finally was like, I'm going to open it and then I'm going to unsubscribe. Um, but the headline, it was like, meet your marketing match this Valentine's day. And it was selling their products in the format of, you know, here is a, here's a profile of, you know, one of our products that you could match with. And it's like, I've, I've been on this mailing list for years. Um, I never bothered to get off of it, but I'm definitely a cold lead. Uh, why are you sending this to me? Like, what makes you think that meeting my marketing match for Valentine's day, um, is the thing that's going to make me suddenly sign up for your service. Uh, and instead it made me unsubscribe from all of your future marketing emails. And so I think people need to really think through like, what are the like yes it's really cute to acknowledge valentine's day but like maybe you want to send a valentine to your you know most invested actual users as opposed to the people who like really don't care and actually you're just cluttering their inbox um i think social works the same way you know we have so much content all the time some of it's stuff that we subscribe to or follow and some of it stuff that you know is being pushed on us as ads and whatever else um, or suggested to us as other things we might follow but like, we don't, we don't need brands participating in everything if it's not a relevant moment. Like what's so bad about, you know, as the content people taking a breath and focusing on the next thing that is relevant to you um, and doing it really well, as opposed to spreading yourself really thin to try and be everywhere all at once without necessarily being great in that moment. What I love about what you're saying, Jessica, and it goes back to your experience at Yahoo. It's like you're you're touching on like the behavioral piece as well. So that really having a deeper understanding of the behavior of the people that you are trying to reach, and then also to like this idea of creating an a relevant experience. So thinking about like the experience marketing side of it, and I absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's a thing that um, certainly bigger companies, uh, especially those who think about experience, you know, digital companies, especially now, um, and tech companies are A, getting better at, but B, well positioned to do because um, there's so much risk involved with getting stuff wrong. You know, one of the things that um, that the Yahoo team was always really good at was like, knowing when to stop. Um, and, you know, we, like everybody had the keys. So if you had pre-programmed social media, for example, and there was some kind of disaster, like somebody could turn it off. Um, and I think that like people get really excited about making content and, and putting it out into the world. And they sort of forget, like, sometimes the world that you plan for is not the world, like three days later, and you never know. Um, and so you also have to like, plan for the downside. Like you have to be an optimist, but also a realist and sometimes really a cynic um, about, you know, how are all of the ways that this could be awesome? And then how are all of the ways that like things could go terribly wrong? And you don't want that to reflect back on you, but you also don't want that to like, you know, unintentionally harm people. So I really like your approach, Jessica, of being able to kind of work through some of these do's and don'ts of content building. And I think of it 
through my original angle where I started to really get more strategical in this was an agency world. So uh, Jess and I, we like to have a you know good playoff uh, each other in this podcast because we both have very different experiences to get to where we're at now, where I'm kind of just starting in tech, but have been in agency world working with tech. So it's kind of like through this new lens, a new world for me. When I started doing content calendars, I would work with a team and at time manage a team and I would say that let's go through 12 months. Like, what are the big things in these months? If we have a month where there's not a big thing, that's perfectly okay. We don't have to try to hit a home run every single month, but let's kind of figure out where they're at, pare it down from there. What are potentially big weeks? What are days? Like, what are company initiatives to where if we don't post this, we're going to have our boss's boss's boss asking why we didn't post it. So we get all of that kind of start thinking about it, like just have it on the calendar. And then what I also used to recommend is how do we stay, you know, anywhere from like two to three weeks ahead on our posts. So if we know we're going to post X amount of times, have those crafted, have the creatives. If there's a video we have to do, it's hopefully ready. You know, just try to stay ahead. So when something would pop up, like in the old days, like the ice bucket challenge, or yeah. we have to put something out that's like, crisis comms or anything like that, we don't feel like we've lost trajectory because we have a calendar and a plan that already set us, you know, forward for kind of hitting everything from A to Z. And then it allows you to have that reaction. And sometimes the reaction posts were some of the best posts I've ever done. But I I feel like the way that I was able to do those and pivot to those was because I had a lot of other stuff banked in ahead of time already. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that makes sense. I, especially, I would imagine in an agency, and I've actually worked for like, I worked for a very small agency once, but like, if you're a big agency, you have a lot of clients, it's probably helpful to have some kind of like a master calendar. Um, something that I know uh, when I was on the brand team at Google, and I, I was not responsible for social media there, so I will not take any credit for this, but um, the team that did like the doodles and the main social kept an incredibly detailed calendar of not just, um, you know, big cultural events, but also company events and and globally, right? Because it's a global company, you have to think about not just the US region, but everywhere. Um, and, uh, and then which teams across the company were sort of responsible for either owning an activation for something um, or not. And then they were also good at telling people like, here's when we're not participating and why. Um, or, you know, we're letting this team take on this thing um, and, you know, feel free to retweet it and share, but like you don't have to do your own content. So everybody can kind of have their own lane within the, the larger swimming pool of the content calendar. Um, and I think that was super helpful because it is it is good to have something that, you know, I think it's, it's confidence building and certainly um, helps you feel not stressed to know that like there's something to fall back on um and at the same time like you have to be willing to throw it all away if you know you are the right brand to respond to the ice bucket challenge and somebody's got to dump a bucket of ice on their head this weekend you know i actually got nominated for that challenge and then chickened out and didn't do it so <laughs> um, I, I always felt kind of bad that i didn't go through with it but it just didn't feel appetizing to have ice poured on me um but we're talking about uh, social media, organic content development. 
there's a lot of myths that are out there. And I think we've demystified a lot of it, I think, in the marketing world. But you probably remember the early days is just kind of like, you know, we need a social media person and they could be like a Swiss army knife and they could be like doing creative design, posting, editing, doing paid, like dabbling and email marketing. Like they would do a lot of different things. You know, one of the big myths that I've tried to debunk for many years is I would be on the wild world of Twitter and there would be this like awesome post that somebody would make that would go viral and there would be like one comment under it and they'd be like, the social media intern needs a raise. And I would like comment, I'd be like, they're not an intern. <laughs> it's like, you're paid to do this work. Um, but that sure. was like the big myth I tried to debunk. I finally got over it. I, I just let it go now, thankfully. You know, I don't get as riled up. But I was wondering if there's a myth that you saw being somebody working in content uh, that you've, you know, worked over the course of time to try to debunk. Um. I mean, I have, I have a couple of thoughts. One is that I, I still like, I could go deeper into why not everybody should respond to all things. Um, but I also, you know, I think you touch on a really good point that content, not just social media, um, but all content is a job and it's a skill and it's a profession. Um, and there are always people who think that like, because we all know words, they can write words. Um, and it's true, like anybody can write words, um, but not everybody can write words strategically and not everybody can write words effectively. Um, and like sometimes even writers don't do a great job, right? And, and we have to be humble enough to know when that is and call in our friends who are also writers or editors or um, you know, just whatever good sounding boards to help us out. Um, and I think there's a, there's a misconception that like, the content should come last. It's a thing that we fill into the boxes. Um, and I really believe that a lot of times you need to know what you're going to be telling people before you know what, you know, the vehicle for telling people the thing is, right? Like, what is the announcement that we're making? Then where do we make the announcement, right? Or like, how long should that announcement be? Like the, the parameters come after the the core idea. Um, and And I do think that that is a fundamental across, you know, social media, across email, across how you program an app for notifications or um, think about the information that people are getting, uh, you know, when they, when they use different tools. And I love these old school discussions for myself because I, I, very much I'm like Andy social media guy now, but there was a time where I was like Andy content guy, Andy blog guy, Andy email guy, and there's nothing in this world when it comes to content that makes me sweat more than sending an email to a giant marketing list. Like oh, social, social media posts, like no problem. Edit button, you do it. Facebook Live, no problem. Radio shows, no problem. <laughs> sending that email out to a list, like was literally like a panic attack every single time before I hit send. Um, I only did it wrong once, but you know, live and learn. <laughs> but it's cyclical too, right? Like, I mean, that's, that's what, whatever, like 15 or some people have even 20 years in internet. And like, you realize that it's not, you know, that any of the titles and any of the roles, like the, the distribution methods and the latest best practices are, you know, what are the tools that we can use now to measure and how do we react to that? Like, that's all stuff that you can learn, but like, like, you know, we started with email and here we are again at like peak newsletter. 
Um, and so there's a little bit like everything old is new again. Like there was a period of time where directories were kind of cool again. And, you know, human curation comes back all the time because there's so much to filter. And so the more we move away from some of these things, the more they do kind of come back to us. Um, and I, I think it's important to recognize that like, you know, all of those skills in, in a lot of ways are like things that you can cross train if you have these fundamentals of like really centering on who's the information for, like what is the information that they need? Um, how do I put it in the channel and get it to the person? <laughs> so Speaking I uh, sometimes I feel like it's so like it's such a simple statement um, that maybe I'm reducing it too much. Like I don't want to I don't I don't want to devalue the the work by saying that it's that simple because it's not right. It but it it feels like like all the things you need to do to get to the point where you know what you're saying and to whom are really complicated um, most of the time. But uh, but then you know the the doing it is like the art and it's not. It's it's not rocket science. It's content science. I don't know. Is that a thing? <laughs> we should invent it. it I now. mean, we invent it as we I'm go. sure it is. <laughs> I'm sure somebody's probably got you know a talk on that. So Jess, we should make the recommendation to LinkedIn and say we're content scientists consultants. <laughs> you, you think we should roll with that and see if it'll go through? I like the branding. I'm on board. I mean, it was data science was wasn't a thing like someone called it data and put science at the end of it it's a huge thing like it's a, a multi-million dollar business now well like i my my um degree is a is a master's degree it's an ms in journalism and the reason that they give an ms is because journalism is an evidence-based profession um if you do it right you're, you're supposed to have you know real information um, that you have gone out and found in the world and synthesized and passed along to people, whether or not that always bears out nowadays is, you know, an open question. But um, but I, I think it was sort of brave of of them to decide like we're gonna we're gonna issue an MS in this. That leads in perfectly to my next question here, Jessica. And I come from a mass communication background, so. Uh, my degree is in broadcast journalism. I went the radio route. A lot of my friends went into TV news. Um, some went into print. You know, it's, everybody went all over the place. We came out, I graduated in 2011. So, you know, right on, you know, the, the back of the recession, the industry and radio was pretty tough. You know, you, I'm sure you know the story as we both ended in tech. So when I look back on it, though, I couldn't be more thankful that I have a journalistic background because it's given me, I feel like, such a unique lens into marketing. It also gives me the ability to where I'm very trained to speak. And I found that that got more and more important as I was able to move up into agencies, speak to clients, do what we're doing today. I like to say my voice is like 90% as good as it used to be on radio, but maybe, you know, some of the things I lost, but we're getting it back as we go. But for me, I will thank my journalistic background every single day for what I get to do today. And I'm curious, you know, how you feel that has transitioned your career, helped your career. And maybe for someone out there that's listening that is in journalism and maybe wants to do something like this, how do they make that switch? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
I have the privilege of talking to a lot of students um, who it used to be like people who were moving to the Bay Area who were like, oh, I went to journalism school and now I don't know what to do with myself. Um, and uh, so I, I, I get to talk to a lot of people who are coming out of, you know, undergrad and master's programs and thinking about how do I um, reposition my skills, essentially. Uh, and I think um, underrated and very important skills that one learns in journalism are critical thinking, right? Like uh, sourcing information. Um, you think about uh, trying to understand the accuracy of information and actually caring about it. Um, so really getting to the bottom of, um, you know, is something correct? Uh, because if you spout a bunch of nonsense, like that reflects quite badly on you if you are a company. Um, and so, you know, understanding the process, um, understanding the way things work, I think uh, having and developing a curiosity for, for new things and for learning. Um, and then fundamentally being a good communicator, um, being able to communicate your thoughts clearly in writing uh, or by speaking, depending on, you know, your preferred mode. Um, and the, the advice that I always give people is to look around at the people who have jobs that you think that you could move into or who have made similar moves and just try and figure out what they're called. Because I think the thing that, that silos people across industries more than anything else is really titles, um, and the way that jobs are described and, and, um, you know, titles can, can change over time the way that industries talk about the roles within themselves changes over time. Um, but a lot of the time those skills aren't so different. So if you're, you know, a producer in, um, uh, in one place, you might be an editor somewhere else or something like that. And it's just really important to like, look around at what are the people calling this where I want to be so that you can get somebody to notice you and then look below the headline. Wonderfully said. I couldn't have said it any better. The skills in being able to research, make decisions, like kind of, you know, to vet and do your own thing in journalism, I think is something you're taught very, very early. And, um, you know, we, we have really, really enjoyed you, Jessica. It's been a, a great interview. I'm just going to ask you one quick question because we're at the very end. 30 seconds. Chat GPT. Are you a fan or not a fan? Oh, come on. That's not a 30 second question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a yes or no <laughs> question to end this. It's a yes or no question? No, you can expand. You know, you, okay. you know yes and then, and then say why or no and say why. I think um, tools like ChatGPT are going to be amazing resources as tools. And I, I'd like to just give you a really quick why, because um, I was playing with it earlier this week and I haven't played with any of the other ones yet. Um, but I, you know, was trying to see like, okay, is this going to eat my lunch as a writer? Like, is this going to take over and do my job for me? Um, and it wrote me like some very bland paragraphs on some things that I asked it to synthesize. And then I went back and I said, okay, I like the statistics. And this, this goes a little bit to like where journalism is a good skill, right? So it came back, it gave me some statistics. And I said, that's cool. Where are these statistics from? And it came back to me and it said, I'm an AI you know, chat client, and I can't really tell you that. But then it came back and it said, but if you want to go find statistics like these, you can research this keyword, this keyword, and this keyword on these, you know, reputable sources. And it was like PubMed, it was Nexus. So it was places that you would get genuinely good information. And so as a conversational partner for helping me do my job, 
um, I found it really useful. And I think that as a tool, you know, it can only get better. I wish I had that during college. It would have saved me a lot of time. So. <laughs> um, but, you know, we're still learning it. Just tonight, something that we're, you know, definitely taking a look at. Everybody's taking a look at. So especially as someone with that journalistic background, we had to get that question in. But Jessica Hilberman, thank you so much for joining us today. You've added so much to this podcast. And if you're willing, we'll definitely have you back again at some point. Oh, this was really fun. Thank you so much. And I, um, I'm sorry that we didn't actually talk a lot about calendars since you were looking forward to that. No, it's, we t- we dabbled on calendars a little bit, but it, it, it hit what we're trying to accomplish with like, what is content? What was content? Where's content going? I think we just hit the checkpoints on, on all of those great topics. Happy to chat anytime. Thank you, Jessica. Thanks, Jessica. Nice to see you. So just to close this out, that was um, a spectacular interview. And again, thank you for connecting us on that. You know, one thing that I really, really liked about our conversation there uh, was talking about the planning element to all of content. And I feel like it's something that's like a domino rally, you know, and we see this with our customers a lot where there's so many market changes, people changing, things happening. But if you just like really stick to it and get out in front of things, it saves you so much down the long run to where you can pivot and be able to make those strategic moves. Yes, definitely. Her point around what Google's social team was doing and how they created this holistic calendar and gave team, they aligned with the calendar and then gave teams the agency to speak on certain topics. I thought that was game changer and uh, much more organized than I expected. It was awesome to hear too, just, you know, speaking to her and how they went about it at Yahoo, because Yahoo if you remember in like the 2010s, like very early days was a content king. Like they wrote the playbook that a lot of us use now. So it's fascinating to hear her talk about that, her experiences at Google. And it's just fascinating to hear me, you know, hear from you as well, just talk about, you know, tech in general, because I see it so much from, I'm a newbie. And I think that that's just something that we have fun with. And I think what makes this podcast fascinating is I'm learning you know, big tech on the fly right now, where, you know, I've consulted it, you know, with partners that have worked in this industry, but I've never been in it. I've done a lot of the mechanics, like social media, content, pay, like all these things that are in it. But it's fascinating to hear these stories. And it's like, I'm just taking a lot in from this podcast. But I felt like I wanted to ask you too, like, if you're talking to me right now, you're giving like honest advice to somebody that's new into this tech world, like what, what would you tell them? Like, what is you know, what's the expectation for someone like me to try to grow within the tech world? What I found fascinating, I first off, wise words from, should we call her the content science OG? Yes, I mean, content yes. science, Jessica we're going to coin that. Yeah, Jessica was spot on with so many things that she said. And uh, one of the things that really is applicable in tech and in, in any industry for that matter, but to to achieve that success is being humble and and bringing others in and going out there and getting 
feedback and, you know, bringing your customers into the actual design and creation experience, do not need to have all of the answers. And if you bring these different perspectives in and you're asking for feedback and you, you're iterating as you go, that's really how you can evolve and create that sticky piece of content or that content that's really going to resonate. I, I think, uh, you know, sometimes just like just Jessica was saying, there's, there's this misconception that you you need to have all the answers or like this, this idea needs to come strictly from you. And yeah, we just we just have to like open ourselves up and 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 ask for help and ask for that feedback. And your your idea, your content is going to be that much better. Yeah, and I think the the greatest asset I've had in my career is I've been able to learn from so many skilled people. So you almost get trained in as a social media specialist, especially if you work at a smaller company where there's not as much roles where you feel like you have to know paid, you have to know organic, you have to know how to do creative design, you have to be a video editor, you have to know PR, you have to be able to do strategical writing like blogs and emails. And you try so hard to like learn all these things. But I found that there were people at my organizations that, you know, I could learn some of these skills from or we could even learn together. Like when I learned LinkedIn, it was a couple of years ago. And I went to somebody I was managing because both of us had done LinkedIn, but we hadn't done LinkedIn like 20 accounts at a time. And we're like, let's learn this together. And she started teaching me things from her social media school that she was in a year ago. And I went to broadcast school at that point 10 years ago. It was such a great collaborative effort. If I didn't have that collab effort that we had, I don't think I'd work at LinkedIn right now. Like, I think that that elevated us both so much and so much to what you're saying is that look at the talent around you those are the people that can probably you know help build these skills up together yeah you two sold me on a journalism degree it's i want to look into it now because it sounds like a lot of marketers can find so much value going that route initially another thing that jessica was saying that i thought was spot on with marketing or something that marketers need or we we need within the industry for sure is critical thinking mm -hmm. Yeah, don't you know I can go off. We could do a whole episode talking about critical thinking. And don't, I love it. And th this is something with social media. So this will, yeah, this is a this would be excellent to like do a whole episode about. But like there's so much of like this is the way to do things, new article, like this is the type of video, this is the new thing to run, the percentages say to do this, this is the new big platform. Like it's easy to get sucked into all of that, but think of what works for you what's reasonable, what works for your company, what can you learn, you know, with the the amount of time that you have right now. And then, you know, critically think about, you know, everybody says something's best practice. Like at LinkedIn, you and I, we say something's best practice all the time in our presentations. But I, I look at numbers and we are very lucky at LinkedIn to have such a great insights measurement teams that we can get a lot of the scientific numbers. But also, Think about how that works for every specific situation, because every situation is different. None of them are exactly the same. And if you can apply that critical thinking with the X's and O's, I think that that's what really can set somebody apart. 
Definitely. And that goes back to another amazing point that she said around, you know, planning, like not trying to be a cynic, but planning for like, like potentially how is the customer going to respond? So like, what is it going to, like, what would the good response be and what would the bad response be as well? And I, I thought that was uh, just excellent because I mean, it, it's something that uh, if you're like trying to do this, this future thinking or forward looking, mm -hmm. you have to think of all the outcomes before you go into a situation. So I'll admit I messed up on that once because when I did marketing for uh, the space uh, program, Space Center, one of my previous jobs, um, the number one consumer negative thought of everything we posted was that the earth is flat and they would attack us every single day. And I'll admit that I was not prepared for that. It was either the earth was flat or the moon landing was staged. And I'm telling you, not like a couple people hundreds of people came at us every single day and they would make new accounts after they got banned to keep coming at us. Oh man, I love when you know people have theories. <laughs> you know, that, that's one that I have to do some critical thinking on. I, I do still believe the earth is round. So um, they didn't persuade me. Well, but you, you do bring up a good point too around the critical thinking. Just asking the question, Okay, you have all this data, you have all this insight. You, what does it mean? Like mm -hmm. to you, what, what does it mean? Or like, I, I wonder if this means mm -hmm. X. And that's something where uh, we all could just step back and ask that question to inspire us creatively. Yeah, yeah definitely. I love it. This was you know, one of my favorite topics like I talk about, that's why I'm like, I got to stop rambling at this point. because I could just go on content for days. That's like what I love. Like, that's something too. you know, if you're in social media, learn all of it. You know, it's good to learn every little element of it, but find that piece you love. Jess and I, we love content and, you know, it's made for a great discussion, but, you know, that's about all the time we have for today, but we do have some exciting um, episodes on hand. We're getting our guest list together. And next week, we're definitely going to talk some Super Bowl ads. So I've made it a point just tonight. If I don't watch them while they're live, I'm going to go back and watch all the big ones. So we can have a critical discussion next week on what we saw during the Super Bowl. Oh, I'm so looking forward to it. You know, I will be watching them live. Yes. Now, I, I will try. I'm going to tell myself not to look at my phone when the commercials come on. It's, it's like a habit. I'm going to lock it in the box. I don't do it because I like to read along, you know, on social media feeds uh, with, with sports fans, like what they're talking about. I'm not going to do it and watch the commercials and stay disciplined this year. Yeah, we, I think we have two very different households because essentially, again, when those commercials come on, I'm telling everyone, oh, be quiet, be quiet. And that's quiet. when I'm turning it off. Yeah. Now, I want to do better, but that's it this week for the making of a marketer. Just thank you as always, Jessica Hilberman. Thank you so much. She was wonderful. And we will see everybody next week. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye. Bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.